views expressed on this program are not necessarily those of WTJX, board staff, or underwriters. Good day, and welcome to Ability Radio. I'm one of your hosts, Amelia Headley Lamond of the Disability Rights Center of the Virgin Islands, and today we're going to talk about, well, a variety of things, health. Today's guest I'm very excited about is... Tracy Sanders. She is the president of Continuum Care Incorporated. Good day. Good day. Good to be here with you again, Amelia. Well, thank you. It's always a pleasure because <laughs> I learn so much. You know, every time we talk, there's always a new aspect to the work that you're doing. Um, tell us about Continuum Care. Well, Continuum Care, for many of you out there that know me, it's been my passion for coming up on 24 years. We were the first to offer hospice services in the territory. We started in St. Croix back in 2000, and Mm. we expanded to St. Thomas, St. John, and Water Island in 2004. And what we used to call end-of-life care, we now call end-of-life living. Interesting. Okay. A new new way of, a new spin, so to speak. What, What do we mean when we say hospice care? Well, hospice is actually a term that's very old and very familiar with us. We Mm -hmm. think of hospital, hospitality, but it's actually a medieval term of where weary travelers would stay at the end of their travels. Uh, So that's how we got the word hospice. And here we talk about the journey of life. Uh, being for hospice. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's interesting. And and if an individual enters hospice care, does that mean automatically that their life will end at a certain period of time? Is that measured in any kind of way? There's no way to measure it. We are all so unique. Right. And you could have three or four individuals with the same diagnosis, but there's so many other variables. It's not just physical variables, but emotional and spiritual Uh, social support, family support, and we really embrace all of that to help the individual. Okay, so as you say, it's the end of living phase, right, of of a person's life. It is. We generally, um, hospice is set up traditionally for six months or less, uh, but individuals think, oh, if I'm there for six months and a day, I get kicked off the program, and that's not true. We have certain measures. It needs to be something that's Mm life-limiting if nature takes its normal course, but the course can be very different. Uh, We have... Uh, some patients and their families that are with us a short period of time. And we have others that have been with us for six months, eight months, or a year. Mm-hmm. They continue to decline, and we continue to provide the care that we do for them. Okay. What, what kind of care? Can you give us a little more specifics mm-hmm. as to what's offered? I really think the term holistic care fits mm-hmm. here. Okay. Uh, it's, uh, we work under uh, our medical director, who is a physician. Uh, we have a team of registered nurses, social work counselor, uh, nutritionists, and we have hospice uh, aides that are bathing nurses. We have caregivers and we have volunteers. So we develop a plan of care that's really based on what the individual and his or her support system wants to do. Um, It's really respecting their wishes and uh, we can see them as much or as little as they like and this changes as their needs change awesome really that's an awesome service now the name of your organization is continuum care and i was always curious as to what what do we mean by that continuum it was a name that uh, i had always in the back of my mind because life is a continuum we are born we get on the life continuum 
and we go through adolescence and adulthood and midlife and end of you know end of our elder years mm-hmm. and so we really wanted continuing care to fit into the normal course of events that all of us will see one day right good point okay well okay let's talk more about what uh your organization does continuum care in addition to hospice care there's some other features that your organization provides correct yes in uh, 2016 we opened continuum care home health and we went into durable medical equipment because we also saw the need in our community for individuals that needed a bed or a wheelchair a walker those kinds of things Mm -hmm. and it's covered under medicare and medicaid Mm-hmm. Uh, also a wonderful program that's been in our community uh, and we have been a, a participant in the last year is through the Medicaid, which we call MAP, is a personal care attendant program, PCA program. Mm. And it's for individuals with the goal to keep them in their home. It's non-skilled. Mm-hmm. We talk about activities of daily living and many at home who've been caregivers, and we know that's the hardest job in the world, it's helping their loved ones with activities of daily living, bathing, grooming, eating, walking, mm-hmm. those kinds of things. So it's been a program with the uh, Human Services Department that's really opened the doors for families to have uh, additional assistance in the home because either their home health and skilled need or it's hospice, and there's nothing in between that our families need. All right, so you're talking about home health, hospice care, medical durable equipment. Correct. Okay, how, how does one access the medical durable equipment, for example? They can certainly give us a call uh, and uh, let us know what they need. We work very closely with our providers and our physicians. Uh, because most of this under Medicare and Medicaid and insurances require a doctor's order. Right. They require some of the clinical notes to support the medical necessity for something. Right. And of course, there's that insurance piece. And uh, we go ahead and make arrangements for delivery or pickup. Uh, we do the education so individuals um, have the equipment they're home for as long as they need it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also provide uh, medical supplies. And on St. Croix, we also have what we call a retail store because we know how expensive things are, particularly when we're talking about under pads, which many call chucks, blue pads, and depends, and other personal care items that are expensive. So we bring those in so community can come in and uh, just purchase them for us in bulk, and it's a lot less expensive than trying to buy it from a regular retail store. Wow. Okay. Now, this store is available in St. Croix? Yes, on St. Croix. We're okay. in uh, La Grande Princess in the old National Guard building, right on the uh, ground floor, so plenty of parking and um, disability uh, parking as well for individuals that need extra help and support, and we can help bring things out to the car if need be. Okay, what about the other islands? On St. Thomas, uh, we do have medical equipment over there. We have not uh, enlarged the retail component over there, but from time to time, when individuals need them, we don't turn anybody away. All right. I I can't imagine you would. (laughs) Um, So medical equipment, what kinds of medical equipment are we talking about? We're talking about hospital beds. They're called positional beds. They're Mm -hmm. semi-electric that can go up and down, the head up and down, the feet up and down. 
air pads that's like an air mattress mm-hmm. so that individuals have skin problems, uh, can't reposition themselves in bed. It gives extra support to the skin and the body. Wheelchairs, walkers, rollators, uh, of course, oxygen. Mm. Uh, many in our community are, are oxygen dependent. Mm-hmm. Uh, backup e-tanks and if there's something that we don't have we look to see if we can get it in Uh, medicare and medicaid really have a whole laundry list of items that are available so we want to be able to meet the needs of our community well one distinction i notice is that um, continuum care is the first medicare certified hospice in the united states virgin islands that's quite a quite a feat i would think it was something that all of us have been so proud of when you're the first of anything and the fact that it's it's so needed. You know, uh, families and the community would call us hopspicks and all these others and weren't sure. And um, there are so many myths mm-hmm. and misconceptions about hospice. And as you said earlier, if you're going to come on, that means that you're going to die in a certain period of time. So when someone mentions hospice, you think, oh, it's going to happen right away. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it is a process, and there's no time limit on it. Um, In the past, we used to think that it had to be a physician that would make the Mm. recommendation for hospice. Uh, But we're getting many more that self-refer. They'll call, Mm. uh, they'll come into us and say, I care about the end goals of life. How can I get on this program? and speaking with the physician. Many of us that go into healthcare, we go into healthcare to fix and heal and cure. So it's kind of doing a 180, uh, but sometimes the individual or their family, they come to terms with what they want and what they don't want. Mm -hmm. Uh, Being at home with their loved ones, surrounded by the sounds of their community, their family, the kids running up and down, the dogs right. barking, the boom boxes going. That's home, that's family. Right, and you're more relaxed in that environment, exactly. I would think. Tell us a little bit about yourself. You are a nurse, correct? Yes, I've been a registered nurse, uh, as we say, for donkey years. Uh, originally from California, I went to a women's college, Mount St. Mary's College, got my bachelor's. And then I got my master's degree at UCLA um, in medical surgical oncology. Um, I worked in the hospital in California. I was the director of nursing for just about a 400-bed hospital. It's where I met my husband, (laughs) going on 35 years. And uh, we just decided we want to do something different. I'd never thought I'd be in the Virgin Islands. We've lived on many of the Caribbean islands. And... um, St. Croix has been my home. When we moved to St. Croix, the gentle giant, I've truly loved it here. Yeah, there's a lot to love. It truly is. Um, you recently was involved with a variety of trainings throughout the territory um, having to do with grief and trauma. Um, I'm not sure if it was connected to the holiday season. I guess in some respects it, it, it is. Mm-hmm. But can you tell us a little bit more about that? Let's say, you know, we're coming upon the season, so to speak, the end of year and... Um, What are some pointers that you'd like our audience to be mindful of? Well, when we take care of individuals as they approach end of life, and one of the things about continuum care, that when uh, a loved one passes, we still embrace the family and the support system for a year and provide grief and loss support. And pre-COVID, we used to do grief and loss um, workshops across the territory. And as we know, COVID kind of put a kibosh on all of that. And so we 
started receiving calls and wanted to do it again this year because the holidays can be a very difficult time. And we chose the holidays, but there's other very important times of the year. We've been asked to do it closer to Mother's Day and Father's Day. Mm. And even with the holidays coming up in November and December and January, it might be someone's lost someone in January or February. But this is the first time they're going through these these target dates. Right. And when we talk about the holidays, um, it's it's really having that individual that's not here. And it comes up, and many people, their hopes and wishes and fears is just get to January, just get past it. And so the workshops that we had, we had them on all three islands. They were well-received. Well-attended is my impression, was, yes. It was. Yes. It was really great. And we had those that were very talkative and wanted to share their experiences and some that were very quiet. And when you're leading a group, you always think, gosh, they're quiet. <laughs> but afterwards, they'd come up and say, this was so helpful. I was just reminiscing. And uh, I was aware of my own feelings. And I was afraid if I started speaking, I might just be crying too much. So I'm always so happy that I can provide this to the community. It's very moving for me. Uh, when you come together and also the individuals that are there look around the room and realize these are people they know in their community right and they're going through it with others so they were able to share and the end goal of the two-hour workshop was coming up with a plan what are your individual needs how are we going to celebrate the life of someone who's not with us Mm -hmm. how to say no for things that might be a little overwhelming uh, with all the expectations of getting through Um, how to be able to grieve and realize you're normal what you're going through and that grief has no time limit Uh, it takes as long as you need to get through it right um, what was really interesting for, or really gratifying to me, because I did attend the St. Croix um, training session, was one of your staff members, Pastor Williams, I believe. Yes. He mm-hmm. is a neighbor of where our office, the Disability Rights Center, is located. And I must say, he was the only neighbor who welcomed us with open arms when we first <laughs> moved there. I think people were so- somewhat hesitant, not knowing what disability rights would involve or maybe out of fear, you know, what kind of crowd is going to be brought in. But it was great to see him mm-hmm. and to see that he's doing some wonderful work with your organization. So that was, a, as you say, community, yes. That was a, a definite, uh, you know, return to good times and, and feeling like you're part mm-hmm. of a community. So, no, so that was a really good thing. This was also done in collaboration, I should say, with the AARP. So I also want to Oh, hats give off to AARP, uh, <laughs> Troy Schuster and Pamela Toussaint. Uh, they really uh, uh, pulled out uh, everything to make this such a wonderful event um, over on St. Thomas and again over on St. John. And I didn't realize, but Troy Schuster let me know it was the first AARP workshop that had been done over on St. John. And we had a nice um, coming out of those that were there. And we said, no, we're going to do more programs because uh, education in so many of these other areas, we have to get it out to our community. So it was lovely to be over on St. John. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's. It's so close, right? But at the same time, it just seems very so far away. <laughs> yeah, I know. No, that's 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 a real concern. Um, one of the things I guess that's a challenge for any organization is to try and make sure that you're patient focused. What kinds of things do you do 
to try and ensure that that indeed happens? Well, it's the nature of what we do is patient focus. When we take care of any patient and his or her family and support system, this is what we call their care plan. So many times in healthcare, it's what the doctor says and what the nurses said. And this is what is most important to you becomes most important to us. And we start from that. You know, what are the wishes that you have that is most important to you? And that changes from person to person and family to family. And when you keep it patient and family centered, then it guides everything you do and the staff that you work with towards that. So all of us, whether you're the chaplain or the social worker or the bathing nurse, the RN, it's what are we doing for the family? And it's about them mm-hmm. on their terms. Yeah, I, I think sometimes, sadly, sometimes the caregiver may <laughs> have an overreach in that regard, you know? Um, so it's always important to try to, like you say, focus on the caregiver. I'm sorry, focus on the patient. And What's what the patient, but also the caregiver? Mm-hmm. Because we find that that caregiver is usually the one person in the family that everything falls on. True. You know, we talked about also our families that they'll say, well, is our family normal? You know, and when you're under stress and particularly caring for a loved one, uh, it brings out the best and worst in our families. Right. And uh, we have to be able to address that and be very empathetic that they're going through something very special, very scary. Mm. And so we have to be educating and re-educating and providing that support for them so that they realize we are their safety zone. Uh, We're bound by confidentiality. And sometimes they will tell the nurse or the bathing nurse something. They won't tell members in their family because they want to bounce it off of us. Mm -hmm. And so that's really a, a, a huge responsibility that we work collectively to always adhere to. What's the role of um, the hospice care personnel when it comes to prescription provision, getting the medication from a pharmacy? Is, is that, uh, you know, in, in some jurisdictions, they, uh, a care provider would deliver the medications. Mm-hmm. How does that work here in the Virgin Islands as far as getting medications that a person We're might need? Pretty typical to other stateside hospices. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have contracts with many of our pharmacies. Mm-hmm. Uh, all medications are ordered by a prescribing uh, physician. And some of the pharmacies deliver, some will pick up. Uh, and we look, we try to anticipate what medications they might have with the goal of being comfort care. Mm-hmm. So we don't want to be in a crisis of saying, oh, it's three o'clock in the morning and they need something and the pharmacies are closed. We try to anticipate that so we can get the prescription in the home, talk to the patient and the family, how to take the medicine, what to look for, side effects, to double check and circle back that it's it's working and mm-hmm. it's working effectively and make those adjustments. Um, our hospice teams uh, meet on a regular basis and what we do is we talk about their condition for hospice, uh, what's gone on in the last week or 10 days, what's working, what's not working, so we can always make sure that our care plan is fluid and ever-changing. 
but the prescription is very typical for mm-hmm. uh, for us, like it is any stateside hospital mm-hmm. uh, hospice, and the same thing with medical equipment. Mm-hmm. Uh, for a hospice patient, we don't need a physician's order. Uh, if they need a bed and a wheelchair, we put it in. If we think they might need oxygen down the road, let's put it in now. Mm-hmm. So uh, the family and the patient realize they're in a safe place, and we can provide as much education and be there for when they might need it. Mm. I, uh, you know, on a personal note, I had experienced this with my mother, and let me tell you, it was a real um, saving grace that the the medication that my mother needed was delivered. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't want, I felt like I did not want to leave her ever. Right. You know, so that was a real mm-hmm. blessing to have had that, mm-hmm. you know, that advantage, um, you know, when I was undergoing that, that process. What is the process when an individual dies? What's the next step? When someone passes, one of the things that we've been able to do in the Virgin Islands, really just in the last little while, um, in the past, it was kind of a whole long drawn out process of everybody had to come to the home. And for someone that's grieving, that's the last thing you want. So uh, we're very thankful to this legislature, specifically to Senator Novelle Francis, uh, who was really a champion in helping put into place uh, what we call nurse pronouncement. Hmm. So when someone passes, the family calls us, we come out to the home, Uh, We confirm that Mm -hmm. uh, their loved one has passed, and then we immediately shift gears to the grieving family that's there. Mm -hmm. Uh, We usually have pre-arrangements with the funeral home so we know what they want. We're able to notify them so there's not as many individuals coming in and out of the house except their family and their loved ones. So the nurse comes out. The funeral comes out, the funeral home comes, and they remove the loved one. So they go immediately to the funeral home so they no longer go to the the hospital morgue. So it really is, a, I think, a much more sacred, um, special, personal time. Uh, We certainly have worked so well with EMS Mm -hmm. and the VIPD, Mm -hmm. uh, but they have other things to do, and that's where we want them to focus their attention and this is a private time for families. That is excellent. That is excellent. Yeah. Um, again, I can talk about from a personal experience. When my mother passed, it was very similar to what you described. Two people came, carried my mom out. One of them knew that she was the wife of a veteran. And the person who came put a flag on her gurney, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a super patriot, but I must say I was super moved by that gesture. Mm-hmm. It was a gesture that just meant a lot. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm really pleased to hear that, you know, the Senator Francis had done this and that it's, it's in place because you're right. Mm-hmm. It's not a, it's a spectacle. It should be a private. It is. And uh, yeah. Senator Francis was wonderful. He really pushed it through to make sure every step mm-hmm. uh, got done. But actually, uh, it was unanimously voted upon uh, by all the senators. And many of them had um, their own scenarios that they could recall. And they realized how this was something that they wanted to be able to allow other families that would be experiencing it. Excellent. Excellent. Now, one of the things you mentioned during your training on grief and trauma and I'm going to play devil's advocate with you on this one, was you set a table and you leave a plate for the person who is no longer there. I know in some cultures they call it Elijah's plate. 
And I was thinking to myself, and I didn't want to say it in the group, I said, but Tracy, isn't that a little morbid <laughs> to have a plate for somebody who you know is not going to partake? I'm, I just wanted to play with you on that one. Well, I think how we cherish and uh, have a memory of someone is very individual. Yeah. You know, some will light a candle with a picture mm-hmm. that becomes, I don't want to call it a shrine, but a, a remembrance place. Or freta, right? Yes. yes. And what more and more people are doing, and they're doing it at weddings, they do it at graduations. If someone who has passed is not there, uh-huh. the bride and groom, it's like, this is where grandma would have sat. So they have it out of respect. Wow. And so if there's someone that you love, It can be a wonderful way to cherish the memory. Mm -hmm. And as I shared, there's a couple things to do. You go around the table and you say, give me a memory about Poppy Mm -hmm. that you want to remember. It makes us smile. Or tell us the funniest thing that Grandma did (laughs) so that we can cherish. Uh, It doesn't have to be morbid. Right, right. No, good point. (laughs) I just wanted to tease you. (laughs) That's okay, Amelia. (laughs) So if someone is interested in the work wonderful work that your group is doing how do they get in touch they can certainly go to our internet website it's ccivi.com continuum care uh, uh, incorporated virgin islands Uh, they can certainly give us a call on st croix it's 718-5683 on st thomas 714-2273 we're uh, on the web Uh, you can google us and uh even if you just have questions, sometimes it can be a very difficult call, mm-hmm. but just to call and let us know what you're going through and help us, let us help you navigate. Um, there's a lot on your shoulders, but we really want to make it a, a smooth process and not as painful and scary that it can be for a lot of individuals. Well, I'm intrigued that you said that you could self-refer. Absolutely. That, that is a revelation right there. It truly is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So and by that we mean you can call yourself. You don't have to wait for a doctor or a nurse to make the call for you or to give you a referral slip (laughs) to get in touch with Continuum Care. Uh, Tracy Sanders, I want to thank you so much. You've given us a wealth of information today. Well, it's been my privilege and my honor. And uh, these are, this is my community as well. And I always want to be able to be here and meet those needs. Okay. Well, all right. Let me ask you another question because I'm told I have a little more time, which is always great. What do you see for the future of your organization? I see as the future um, palliative care. It's a 50 cent word and people aren't quite sure what it means. But palliative care is when someone might have a chronic or terminal illness, mm-hmm. but they're not under six months yet. Okay. So they're kind of floundering. And it's a program that's covered by Medicare and insurance. Uh, we've put in a certificate of need for it. So we look at working on the symptoms. So someone might have congestive heart failure. Mm-hmm. They might have a cancer. They can still continue to receive treatment, mm-hmm. but this is a way of treating the symptoms, the edema, the pain, the emotion, uh, the nutritional needs. We're not going to reverse or change the underlying illness, but we can provide comfort along the way. And if it comes to the time they do or would better benefit from hospice. It's not such a a traumatic transition. Hmm, Okay, so palliative meaning um, comfort. It is comfort care. It's symptom control. Okay, excellent. All right, well, again, I've learned so much today. (laughs) Tracy Sanders, president of Continuum Care, LLC. Inc. 
Inc. Inc. The Home Thank Health you. is LLC. It's all the alphabet soup. Gotcha. Okay. Thank you so much for spending the time with us and educating us today. And I hope this won't be the last time. No way. Thank you so much for listening. You've been listening to Ability Radio. Have a great day. Bye-bye. The views expressed on this program are not necessarily those of WTJX, its board, staff, or underwriters.